As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your High State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, I'm feeling enlightened because we got to watch an entire Ohio State practice on Wednesday. How are you feeling coming off a weekend bender in Denver, Colorado? Not great, Bob. It's Um, Wednesday, by the way. It's not even the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The bender ended on Tuesday, so uh, I'm 34 years old now, so I don't bounce back the way I used to, but it was a good time with the boys. Um, and I probably feel more enlightened than you after a weekend in Denver, uh, especially considering the fact that you watched a full practice on Wednesday and nobody participated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to finally been waiting, been waiting for seven years on the Ohio State beat to watch a full practice. And then we go out there and like half the important players aren't practicing. Uh, so we'll talk about that because uh, it's interesting. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's super concerning, but I also don't think it's great. Uh, 15 days out from from the season opener we'll, we'll get into some of that in a little bit uh, but since the last time we did a podcast Ari, uh, Ryan Day all but named CJ Stroud the starting quarterback he said on Monday on the day the Quinn Ewers arrived and I don't think that was a coincidence that CJ Stroud is the leader in the quarterback battle has taken a lead has separated I think is is the exact wording that Ryan Day used um, not surprising to anybody but Based off the way that Ryan Day has talked about the quarterbacks since last spring, which is basically like not said much at all, like I that was it for me. Like that was that was him declaring CJ Stroud the starter, right? Yeah, yeah. I can, I kind of like the idea of 
declaring it without declaring it. So it's not like ripping a bandaid off mm-hmm. kind of keeps people bought in separations, an interesting word. Um, but I don't know that you make that announcement if that's not the starter. Right. If there actually is, if there actually is some doubt in his mind that somebody could win the job, that's not separating, then I don't know if he would say that. So to me, it was a soft launch of who Ohio state starting <laughs> quarterback was. And, you know, frankly speaking, even though this, this battle has been discussed and, ex- you know, drawn a lot of excitement from Ohio state fans, the second that Justin Fields eligibility was up. And by that, I mean, NFL draft, we all kind of knew where it was going. You know, it never yeah. really, this didn't, you know, I know that we made a lot of comparisons to the JT Barrett Cardale Jones uh, battle, but that battle, if I recall correctly, we had no idea. They had no idea. No, I know. They had no idea. We had no idea. They had no idea. Like, we didn't know who was starting, and they didn't know who was starting until five minutes before the Virginia Tech game. So this time, it just kind of felt like we knew what was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen, and it's just kind of naturally happening without much hiccup. So I know that the Quinn Ewers twist kind of made it a little bit more entertaining for a few minutes. Um, I know that Kyle McCord and Jack Miller are are both very good quarterbacks, but – you know, I do think I, I like the way that this is handled because the team gets an idea of who they're going to be led by. You have two weeks before a game, a pretty tough game, pretty tough opener, and you can kind of start settling into what you want to be uh, when that game starts. So I, I don't know of all the quarterback uh, scenarios that we came up with. Did we consider the fact that somebody could be leading the way publicly uh, on August 18th or this is kind of a new uh, exciting yeah. twist? Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't sure what we were going to get. I, I I actually wasn't all that confident that we'd even get this much, but I think this is also all we need to know the answer to, to the question. And it is kind of funny. Like, we've, we've gotten a lot of mileage out of this, obviously. We and everyone else who covers Ohio State and everyone on the national landscape who pays attention to Ohio State has talked a lot about this. And it's like, oh, my God, they have all this talent in the quarterback room. It's C.J. Stroud. It's Kyle McCord. And Quinn Ewers is going to be here soon. And Jack Miller, you know, he was a highly rated guy coming out of high school, too, and would have been higher if not for injuries. Like, can't believe how loaded this room is. Can't wait for the competition. And there was, like, really no drama. <laughs> it was pretty straightforward the entire way. We've known the entire time, basically, or at least we all thought, made educated guesses that C.J. Stroud was going to be the guy, and that's where we are. I think the more interesting discussion is from what you've seen of C.J. Stroud, which I think is not that much, but enough to kind of form an opinion, how good do you think he's going to be? Because we spent so much yeah. time we spent so much time discussing who was going to win the job but now that we have a good idea of who's going to win the job, I think a discussion of what is this offense going to look like? Uh, what is CJ Stroud from what you've seen in practice and how good do you think Ohio state's offense can be led by him? Now I think that should be the new, the new direction. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be good, but I think it's going to look different. Um, and I, I think I might've said this like way back when last season ended as we were like transitioning into this new era. Like I think I said, I, I thought this new quarterback, whoever it is, would be like a little bit more of a, of a point guard distributor kind of guy that maybe Justin Fields was and like Justin Fields, like really attacked down the field and like was a weapon in his own right. And it's not to say that the next quarterback won't be a weapon too, but based off some of the stuff we've seen them do in practice, like with the RPOs are implementing the fact that whoever the quarterback is, is going to be a, a little bit less of a run threat than Justin was. I don't think is quite as will be quite as good as Justin was throwing the ball down the field as accurately as he did. I think this offense is going to take on a little bit of different form and not sacrificing any explosion and doing that. Um, but I guess that's a long way of me saying that. Yeah, I think I think CJ Stroud is going to be very good, very productive. I'm excited to watch him play. I'm curious about the kind of athlete he is 
And because we saw that 46 yard touchdown run or whatever it was, and like clearly he has the, has the wheels to do something with his legs. But I don't know. Like on one hand, Ryan Day, I think, has a little more leeway to use that if he wants to because he has depth at the quarterback position. But on the other hand, like I don't know truly how much of a weapon that is for a guy like CJ. But I feel like so much of this quarterback competition and discussion has been like very bottled up. Um, no one's saying anything about anything. We don't, we don't get to see very much at all. And I'm kind of just looking forward to CJ Stroud getting out there against Minnesota and on some level like him getting to let it loose a little bit and sort of be the kind of playmaker that I think he is. You know what's interesting? And I made a joke about how CJ Stroud couldn't move uh, on the last week's podcast. And I think you're like, well, he did have a 50 yard touchdown run. It's like my understanding of them as prospects when I covered them was that Jack Miller was a far bigger running threat than he was. Yeah. So let's try to put in perspective, if you can, just what you like, and maybe an over under would be a good way to do this or a thought. How many times do you think he will design run this year? Hmm. Like, are well, we let's talking do it this in the way. teens total? Like total for the season? Um, no, I, I, I would say like if Justin Fields ran the ball, I don't know what, 10 to 12 times a game, I think C.J. Stroud might be more like five, six times per game. Like more than Dwayne, less than Justin, and the what makes up kind of the difference between C.J. and Justin is like more RPO throws. Than they were doing in the, in the in maybe, maybe less freelancing. The freelancing part's interesting. I don't know. I don't have like I don't have that kind of read on on CJ and like we didn't really have it about Justin I mean, until he started to playing. practice too when they're not hitting right. And we didn't have that read all really on Justin until his first game. And then after his first game, it's like all we talked about was like letting just. I wrote like I think that was like my first big story I wrote about Justin Fields in 2019 was about Ryan Day like taking the reins off him a little bit. And I think the quote that Ryan Day said is, is like, you have to let an artist paint or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know yet what kind of artist CJ Stroud is. I think he's a good one, but I'm not totally sure how he's going to do it. Did they let Justin Fields paint? They certainly could have let him paint more. But I feel like I think, they gave him watercolors, but they didn't give him the whole palette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially the first year. I think I think last year uh, he got to do a little bit more of his thing. Um but no, I think I might have made the remark to you like that that crazy throw we saw from Justin Fields in training camp where he was like running and threw across his body, sidearm and like dropped his elbow down. I was just like, if he did that at Ohio State, like Ryan Day might make him run laps um, because just I think most college quarterbacks kind of put constraints on or college coaches put constraints on their quarterbacks in that way, especially when they're operating at a talent advantage like Justin Fields was. But um, no, I don't think I don't think he let Justin Fields cook quite to the level that he could have. Um, but I still think he let him cook a little bit. I went to a sports book in Denver over the weekend, and it was the, the day where all five rookie quarterbacks played preseason games. Mm -hmm. And I sat there the entire day wondering how Justin Fields was the fourth quarterback off the board. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, weekend of viewing football. I agree. Now, he, like, I don't know who was playing starters and who wasn't playing thrower, starters. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, his first few drives looked a little rough. Man, he really settled in, didn't he? He looked great. I don't know. If I'm Andy Dalton, I'm shook. Fourth quarterback off the board. <laughs> I think that the NFL draft scouts uh, overthink everything. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I um, think they will. Be, but I wonder too, like, if we got maybe eighty percent of what Justin Fields is even physically capable of, based on the constraints that he had in his. I mean, let, let's be honest. The guy didn't run the football in any regularity. 
And even in their RPOs or their zone read type plays, he rarely kept it. Yeah. And I guess another question would be too, is if the quarterback isn't a run threat to the same extent that Justin Fields is, what can you expect out of these, you know, keep it, give it scenarios. Um, and does Ryan day feel more comfortable letting his quarterback run more often in a design setting or even in a freelance setting, knowing that there's as much depth as there is on this team. Yeah. It's a great question. It's an interesting discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so. I think it is too. And we always wondered, right. Whether or not Justin Fields is being coached to keep, to, to give the ball or whether or not he was making those decisions on his own. And I don't know if we ever got a real read on that, but there were definitely times it where seemed it like fe- he was being coached to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there were times right where it looked like he was, he was wrong. Like he was making the wrong read. Um, and maybe he was just making the wrong read, but I, I always felt like he was kind of being told to, to give it unless it was like dire straits and which I guess they didn't often find themselves in. Um, I do think, I do think the leash will be a little longer with that this year um, because of the depth that they have. Because I do think like watching the practice on, on Wednesday when CJ Stroud didn't really do anything. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, there is like very like there is apparent talent behind CJ Stroud. It's not like it's a one one man show like it has been the last couple of years. So um, I think they can give Ryan Day some peace of mind to to loosen the constraints a little bit in, in that way. Not not to say that I still don't think CJ will still run more than Justin, but I think he'll maybe pull the ball more than Justin, and they'll do some different stuff off of that with the pass game that they haven't done in the past. Yeah, I just like would have loved to see Ohio State's offense working at peak ability with the defense, not knowing whether or not fields is going to keep it or give it. Like if he yeah. just ran like a maniac, I think Ohio state's offense would have been even better. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, they were still pretty damn good. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what was lost necessarily by not doing that. And the, the tricky part of that is like, they lost to Clemson right in 2019, but Justin was hurt. So like if Justin was fully healthy, maybe that would have been the game where we would have seen like that truly come to fruition. And he just like, he had was had one good leg. Um, and then last year, I don't know if that really happened last year. I mean, in the Indiana game, like Justin was feeling himself in that game, <laughs> in that game and it led to some interceptions. So I think maybe that's, that's what Ryan day would say. Like, see, that's why you don't do this. Um, also, so there's always matter the when they there. played Alabama anyway, but yeah, they get their ass kicked in that if game. They didn't have, if they didn't have the, until the late end of the season, Trey Sermon at, at peak potential the way that he was, I think he could have done a little bit better giving his running back something to work with if the defense was freezing every time there was a, a mesh area. Yeah, yeah, which they did like with JT. Like every time they ran that, it was like the defense didn't know what was happening. Yeah, so uh, maybe that'll, that'll be a pretty good situation for Ohio State this year if they have a really, really good running back in, in the mix too, so... I think um, they will. I think they will. So do you think load management is kind of weird two weeks before a game? Yes. Uh, it kind of the, struck me as odd. To the point where I'm, I'm not sure how much of it I buy. Um, so we were practicing on Wednesday, CJ Stroud. Uh, first period, they do, they do a deep ball drill. Um, just receivers and, and quarterbacks, no defense. Just basically lobbing the ball down the field, working on timing. And CJ like kind of skipped what would have been his first few turns through the line. He was just kind of standing in the back. And then he went on like the very last rep or, or couple of reps. He went, he threw two really nice deep balls, one the Chris Olave, one the Jackson Smith and Jigba. Nothing seemed up with it. Seemed perfectly fine. Didn't seem to strain for it. Nice balls, um, accurate, like where they needed to be. And then he did not throw another pass for the rest of the practice for like the next 90 minutes. So 
I don't know what to make of that. Ryan Day said in the past they have done this with quarterbacks where they kind of rest them if their arms getting tired or they feel a little sore. Um, again, I didn't see anything in CJ throwing either of those passes that suggested he was injured and he was dressed and he was running around and he did some very light tossing on the side with like a, a trainer or a coach or something like that. Um, and they just kind of like stood next to Ryan Day the rest of the practice. So I don't know. Um, I'm not, I don't think it's super serious, whatever it is, because I think if it was one, I don't think he would have been out there. And two, if he wasn't out there, I don't think they would have let us watch practice. Um, so I think it's going to be okay, but I did find it a bit strange. Yeah. There's two things that could be happening here. One, his arm is sore. Two, he's already seasoned like Joe Montana and he doesn't need to practice. Right. What do you think me what do you think is more telling about the car quarterback battle here? One that he's separated or B that he gets load management. Like he's LeBron. <laughs> yeah, in, like in a regular he, yeah, season right. basketball game. Like he's he's being yeah, he's being treated like he's a multi-year starter. Um I mean guys arms get sore like I I mean I totally get that cuz cuz you know, he's probably gotten more reps than anybody in practice. There are uh, 13 practices into this. Lord knows how much he threw in the summer, like on the side with the receivers. I bet a lot. Um, I bet if he told us how much he did and then he told the coaches, they might say that he pushed it a little bit. Um, so if his arm is sore, that makes total sense to me. As long as it's not anything long-term, then whenever he's fine. I did ask Ryan Day because we were – the reason we got to watch practice on Wednesdays because Big Ten Network was there doing their camp tour, and they get to watch the whole thing anyway. Um, so kudos to Jerry Emig, by the way, the SID, for, for kind of greasing the wheels there and getting us in for a full practice. I think he's been working on that for a while. But it was like BTN's there. We might as well be in there to watch everything. Um, and I asked Ryan Day, like, are you just hiding him from the world because you knew we'd be in there and BTN would be in there with their cameras? And he said no. But I also wouldn't put that past him. <laughs> like, we're not letting you tell the world about how good CJ Stroud is before we go play Minnesota. Like, why would we do that? So maybe that's at play. I don't know. More paranoia, it sounds like. Paranoia. Yeah, coaches are certainly <laughs> paranoid. Um, it was it was odd. It was odd. But again, like, I just don't think. I just can't remember a single instance of load management any time with any player ever that wasn't already an all Big Ten player or an All-American. Like, I know they used to have the thousand rep club or whatever, where guys like Joey Bosa and Chase Young and stuff at the end of their careers wouldn't practice that much in the spring. But I can't mm -hmm. remember this ever happening in the fall. I can't recall it. Again, we don't see every practice either. So it, it comes with that important caveat. But I, I can't recall it either. But if it's just soreness, if it's just arm soreness, like, I get it. I, I totally get it. It's like it throwing a football puts similar strain on the arm to throwing a baseball. And we, like, we know how often. Uh, baseball pitchers need to rest so like it makes it makes sense to me if you wanted to give him a break from it um on some level but i'm just like i would be i'm like i'm like three percent nervous about it being something that like could impact cj stroud like long term this year maybe i shouldn't be that's like speculation i suppose but i don't know it was odd it was odd learning on Monday that like basically CJ Stroud is going to be the starter this year and then coming out to practice on Wednesday and he's like not doing anything other than handing the ball off. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The next question, too, I have is if somebody is separating, if you're the coach, when do you start to, to give them more first-team reps? Yeah, this week, I think. R- Ryan Day was asked that specifically on Monday. And, like, he said starting this week, kind of, but then, like, really getting in the next week. Basically, when there's, when there's essentially two weeks until you're in game prep. And I guess their game prep with a Thursday game would start, like, next Friday. Um so like right around this time, and I do think, first of all, let me say this. My overwhelming thought on all this is that if anything was seriously wrong with CJ Stroud, they wouldn't have let us in there, and he wouldn't have been there. So I think he's going to be okay. Um, it was interesting to me. Like I thought that there was a noticeable difference in the reps that Kyle McCord got with the first team compared to Jack Miller. Like not a humongous difference, but enough that I thought it was noticeable. So it even felt like even with CJ out, it felt like they were divvying up the reps a little bit, like according to who they think, what, what they think their depth chart's going to be. Yeah. I think that's kind of been apparent from what we saw with our eyeballs in the spring game in terms of yeah. the pecking order of who we thought was going to be the guy and who was going to be competing with him. So, yeah. Okay. So Ohio State found its quarterback. Yeah. They found its quarterback and they got a new one this week when when Quinn, Quinn Ewers showed up on Monday um, in practice for the first time. I can't believe we made it 20 minutes into this podcast that you're giving people the goods, man. Yeah, so um, the first throwing drill that we saw was a deep ball drill. And you know, I'll be honest, and I'll put on my like novice quarterback evaluation hat at the risk of sounding like a total moron. Um, Quinn Ewers did not throw a great deep ball. Um, and I thought his footwork was a little wonky and, you know, that's not totally surprising cause he's a young quarterback still, but when they got in the situations where it was like intermediate throws and short throws, my goodness, does the ball come out of that kid's hand in a special, special way? Like it is absurd. We talked before about like the RPMs on his ball. Like, and you, you wrote about that when you saw him at the opening, that is real. Like, that ball looked like it was gaining speed when it got to still gaining speed when it got to his receivers on those short to intermediate throws. It was, do you think the deep ball stuff is, is a lack of, of seasoning with the footwork or I just want to get out there and show. Yeah. My, my assumption is that Quinn is such a naturally talented thrower, like just had, was like was blessed with a golden arm that he's never had to think much about his footwork. Um, and that'll get coached out of him. I think that I think the one thing that Ryan Day has shown himself really good at since he's been here coaching quarterbacks is developing the footwork piece of it. Uh, so I'm not worried about it, but I think Quinn needs to work on it. Um, just like every other quarterback who's come here has had to work on it. But in terms of like where he's starting from as just just ability to spin it, uh, I have not really seen anything like that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is crazy when you're because like I at the opening was standing next to somebody he was throwing it to like shoulder to shoulder and he threw the ball from the hash to the sideline and the ball seemed to speed up at the end. Yeah. Pretty wild. 
pretty wild. Now he missed some throws. He missed a couple guys, um, like high, maybe one or two behind. Are you telling me he's not perfect? You know what? It turns out that the 18 year old, uh, who just got here four days ago is not ready to start immediately, but will be very good someday. I promise you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's like, I, 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 we all went nuts when Quinn committed and then like you went to the opening and I just felt like, like I came back down to earth a little bit. And then the stuff with the Trent, with the early enrollment happened. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. This seems like kind of weird. And then I saw him on the field. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> we're, we're good. He'll be fine. He'll be good. Yeah, no, he'll be good. Yeah. I hope that my story from the opening didn't make people think he isn't going to be good. Um, no, I thought it was great. I, your, your story from the opening helped like frame my mind from when I went out there to watch him the first time. But like, I think in a good way. Cause I knew, I knew to look like at that spin rate and those RPMs and the way the ball was coming out of his hand and like the velocity velocity and all that stuff. I probably would have picked up on it anyway, cause it is like that impressive, but your story helped me know to look for that when I went into it. So I appreciated it. Hey, thanks Bill. I appreciate that. I'm not really one for uh, being technical. So I'm happy that when I finally was at work, <laughs> but you know, I think that Ohio state's in a pretty good position. Um, uh, and I, I think that if it turns out this way and the way that it seems to be headed, that I would give him an A plus Ryan Day for the way it's been handled. Yeah, the the only thing I'm curious about now is what's going to happen in, in the next two weeks. And like I'm not not to, to speculate on any one individual or like really anything. I just think we all know how this works. It's like as the picture becomes a little more clear, might somebody decide they want to leave? And and it. For my personal opinion, if I were in that position, I wouldn't leave this close to the season. I would just like be a backup and continue to be developed at Ohio State and who knows what might happen throughout the course of the year. But I know that's not realistic. Like we saw, I think like they didn't Kentucky, like Kentucky named Will Levis at starter this week. And then like the guy who lost to Will Levis, like immediately transferred, which is like, I don't like, are you going to go play somewhere now? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that, but it's the reality of the situation. So now that's like what I'm curious about moving forward and i think like i think we have a pretty good idea of the pecking order i think it's cj and kyle and jack and then we'll see how they bring quinn along but i don't know it's not impossible that they get to the finish line meaning september 2nd with all these guys on the roster i think maybe they might be but if they're if they're all here still by this point um but movement can happen in the next two weeks and that's kind of what i'm going to look out for now okay so let's go on to the next part let's do it now that we have the quarterback all squared away and it's guaranteed to work out this way. <laughs> Let's hit people with the offensive line alignment that you saw out there. Where are we at? So, uh, he smiled so big, everyone. He smiled. Well, so it's, big. it's, it's interesting because like Dewan, Dewan Jones is still at right. Dewan Jones. I, I would be surprised at this point if he does not start at right tackle against Minnesota. Um, but like Thayer Munford has been out. Um, was out a couple times last week. Ryan Day on Monday said like he has not practiced in the last few days. We were out there on Wednesday and Thayer wasn't practicing. He was he was in his jersey and his football pants, but like wasn't wearing any of the pads. Was wearing like a, a baseball hat. What didn't have his helmet with him? Like he very clearly wasn't doing anything. Um, but even with Thayer out, like Dewan was still at right tackle, and Matthew Jones was at left guard. So it was Nick Petit, Matthew Jones, Harry Miller, Parrish Johnson, Dewan Jones. What's so, your understanding of the reason why Thayer's not participating? Is he banged up a little? We don't know. Um, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound serious. Like Ryan Day said, he expects him back at practice sometime soon. I think is the the word he used. Um, didn't look to be like favoring anything. 
um, has played a lot. Um, so maybe part of that is load management. Like if you told me like Thayer is getting load management, like I would, I would buy that given how much he's played. Um, maybe some of that's at play too, but like, I don't even think they had the scrimmage last Saturday and I don't think Thayer participated in that. I think like the starting offensive line in the scrimmage on Saturday is what I just said with Matt Jones at left guard. So, um, I don't have any reason to believe right now that Thayer won't be ready for the opener, but if for some reason he's not, I think that starting offensive line is a line you'd see against Minnesota. But obviously if Thayer is, I think the line we talked about with him at left guard and Dewan at right guard, right tackle has like stuck. They've, they got to that scrimmage and came out of that scrimmage and it seems like where they still are. Okay. Let's go down uh, the list of plays that stood out to you and why. Hold on. Let's uh, before we do that. Uh, Great. Th- well, no, well, Thayer, <laughs> Thayer didn't practice. Zach Harrison didn't practice. Cody Simon didn't practice. Tommy Eichenberg didn't practice. Dallas Gant didn't practice. Cameron Brown didn't practice. Um, I think that might be it. But that's uh, an offensive starter and five defensive starters who didn't practice. Um, again, no reason to believe that any of that is long-term stuff. They were all there. And the, only, the only person who didn't do anything was Thayer. Everyone else was doing stuff. And they all kind of look fine. They're like throwing weights around and running like down in the sand pit and stuff like that. Um, I just think they're like a little banged up. But so like I wanted to say that to set the table because like the def- the defense especially that was out there was like funky looking. Like a walk on safety was starting at linebacker with the first team defense at points because they were down three of their top four linebackers. So anyway, okay, now we can get the stuff that stood out. I think that stands out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> half the, half the starters being out stands out. Um, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want I'm not trying to be alarmist about that. I think, I think they're okay. I think, I think a lot of it is like bumps and bruises that happen over the course of camp. Um, Cody Simon, I might be a little worried about because we've, I think there was another practice we saw where he was out. So maybe he's been in and out a little bit. Um, I would worry about Thayer too, because we know he's had like back issues and stuff in the past. Not again, I don't know what's up with him, but he's had some injury issues in his past. So hopefully he's, he'll be good for the season too. I think like Zach Harrison's fine. Um, Jerron cage was also off on the side to name another potential defensive starter. Um, so they just seem to get healthy. I think this happens when you're camp, but um, you know, if you're, if your availability report against Minnesota has all those guys on it, it could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounds like to me that this might've just been a load management practice. Yes, no pads, no tackling. There's a lot of the guys on that list. I think a lot of the guys on that list seem to be in a situation where they could use a day. Yes, I think I think that's a fair point. Um, it was. I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but it wasn't like the most high energy practice. And it's not to say like they looked not that they looked flat, but it was like, like kind of like walk through, combined with like run through pace. Um, they did some eleven on eleven. And they weren't wearing pads, but it was it was full speed. Um, but, but they had like a lot of like individual periods, so they were installing stuff, um, like a f- decent amount of special teams work. Like this was this was absolutely a lighter practice. Um, and to your point, I think some of the guys we saw out could be because of that. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, man. Quit holding out on us. Let's get to some of the goods here. Okay. Uh, uh, offense. Where do you want to go first? Offense or defense? Offense. I'm a skill position guy. Okay. Um, Jaden Ballard. Jaden Ballard made a really nice uh, catch on the sideline, like uh, kind of contorting his body, um, adjusting to a ball that was a bit behind him, like with tight coverage too. Like it was, it was nice. To, I'm not expecting a whole lot from him, but it was nice to see him like kind of do that sort of in light of how much we talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. It's just like Jaden Ballard, I think is also going to be good here um, and, and not that far into the future. Um so like that was I was like good for him like for, to remind everybody that that he is also like a top 100 receiver and also a dude even if we talk about his classmates a little more than him but like Marvin Harrison man he uh, he made Demario McCall my guy uh, look silly on one play and it's just like whatever like Demario Demario's what like five nine Marvin Harrison's like six three super long it's like Demario doesn't have much of a shot there but um, Kyle McCord threw a ball to Marvin Harrison that maybe he shouldn't have thrown. Um, and maybe a better cornerback might have picked off or a more experienced cornerback might have picked off. But Marvin Harrison just like jumped up into the air with Demario and like did that thing. Like, you know, like a receiver, like reaches over the corner and like, takes, the like, yeah. takes the help ball off the top of his helmet. Yeah. Uh, but like he did that, but like made it look easy. <laughs> like it was pretty, his, his bot Marvin Harrison jr's body control um, and like ability, I think to make, those kind of catches and contested situations must be what's helped him stand out so much um, since he got here in the spring, because I feel like every time we watch practice, it's very apparent that he's pretty special in those situations. Um, I want to make a comment about something after you say something. Okay. So here's my comment, not about Marvin Harrison, but Jaden Ballard to me when he was in high school reminded me a lot, at least on tape, of Jackson Smith and the Jigba. They seem to be very similar. Hmm. Do you see that or am I a crazy person? I think they're similar um, kind of like in, in the way that they can do some crazy stuff at the catch point. Um, there's like one-handed stuff and like balance near the sideline and that kind of stuff. Um, I think like Jaden's bigger. And I think over the course of their careers, Jaden will be more of like a downfield vertical threat than Jackson is. I think Jackson is more of a get the ball in his hands quickly kind of guy and, and like take advantage of space in the middle of field kind of guy. And, and Jaden is more like Devin Smith, if that makes sense. I know they went to the same high school, so that's kind of a lazy comparison, but um, I think he's like more of a vertical, like traditional Z receiver down the they field. They just both seem to have that, that skill set where they can stop in the air and change where their body's going in yes. the air. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a rare talent. And I know body control is a major part of being a really good wide receiver, but there's body control and there's also mental tricks. And I don't really know how they do some of the things <laughs> they do in the air magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
that's the one thing. So I'm going to, can I go down the list of some things I'm curious about? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot was made of Paris Johnson, obviously the second he got on campus with the Orlando pace comparisons. Yeah. But what have you seen from him in the interior and uh, how do you think he's holding up uh, at the guard position? Uh, I think he might be an all American this year. It's okay. hard. It's hard. Okay. <laughs> well, we haven't part of that. Part of that is like buying what Greg Sudrawa is saying, because the thing we haven't seen is like pads on like real run game reps. So I'm, I'm trusting Greg Sudrawa when he says that like Paris's pad level has been consistent and he's coming off the ball and he's destroying people because what we have seen a decent amount of our pass rush reps and that dude's a wall. Like I have no concerns about him whatsoever. Um, and they were doing some like they're I, I don't know we had weird rules we had ground rules for this practice like we got we got to watch the full thing but it was like you can't I want to read them to you because they were funny and like I get it they're, yeah they're, please they're NFL want to try N- to interpret them they're, they're NFL training camp rules so this is where they come from but this was the this was what was given to us um, let's see post practice coverage stories social media updates reports etc are permissible as long as entries do not contain information on and this part's in bold. Any team strategy, formations, rep counts, route descriptions, or injury observations or details unless addressed by the head coach. And then you can, it says, like, you can say who was practicing and who wasn't practicing. You can say someone is taking reps with the first team or second team but can't say how many. You can say Chris Olave made a catch over the middle in a seven-on-seven drill but not where he lined up and what kind of route it was. Um, and he can't talk about like formational stuff, like if they have an extra offensive or defensive lineman in the game, depending on the situation. So like, I don't know if I'm allowed, if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And I hope I don't get arrested for it. Uh, they were doing some stuff in the run game today where they were like working on more like gap scheme runs where the guard and the center and the other guys like they're, they're pulling. And we haven't seen, a, we've seen some of that, but not a ton of that. But like, I am now infatuated with the idea of like a pulling Paris Johnson, just like bulldozing some poor safety three yards down the field as like Trey Henderson busts out a, a counter run to the outside and runs for a 70 yard touchdown. Hold on. Let me plug in the uh, radar, the Columbus area police and see what's going on. <laughs> they ran those plays in the spring game, right? Like they ran them. It was incredibly crazy, crazy athletic. If anybody can pull at that size from that position, it's Paris Johnson. Yeah. 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 He's going to be good. I have no, he had a, a, it was, it was kind of uh, a whirlwind because at the exact same time they were doing seven on seven and they were doing pass rush drills on opposite fields. And I was like standing in the middle, just like looking back and forth, trying to catch whatever I could. So I didn't catch every single rep of everything, but I did catch a catch, couple of pass rush reps of Parrish Johnson. And like, he just like put Teron Vincent on the ground on one of them. And then another one, I forget, I think might've been Noah Potter. He just like stood him up and it was the end of the rep. Like he's, he'll be fine. Sticking with the offensive line, uh, with Thayer out, Donovan Jackson get any extra reps? Not that I noticed, and I was like on alert for that. Um, no, the ones, the the ones on defense were super fluid and like borderline, almost like not even worth discussing because of how fluid it was. But the offense was pretty rigid on who were ones and who were twos, and that when it was ones up, it was Nick Petit, Matt Jones, Harry Miller, Paris Johnson, and Dewan Jones. Okay, defensive side of the ball. Oh, actually, before we go to defense, give me some of that uh, Trey Anderson. Whew. Some of that Trey Anderson juice. That kid's got some incredible Barry, feet, man. See like, Barry Sanders or what? I wrote um, back when we worked at Cleveland.com. I think this was in 2017. It must have been in 2017. JK's freshman year, 
Saquon Barkley sophomore year, I think I wrote like a, a story that was just like an ode to jump cuts because they were both so good at them. And like, it was borderline erotic watching them do it. Um, borderline borderline. I say, you know, <laughs> yeah, borderline uh, Trey's got that. Like, I know they call him baby Saquon. I don't think he's quite built like Saquon. Um, Is he big, powerful and can juke out of a building? He can juke out of a building. I wouldn't describe him. I wouldn't describe him as big and powerful. I would describe him as powerful for his size and can juke out of a building. Is he going to win the Heisman? Uh, n- not this year. <laughs> <laughs> that, kid, uh, that kid's special. Hype train that is kid's leading special. the station right now. I think he's, spe- uh, he's special, man. Yeah, the uh, um, young offensive line <laughs> with him, and the fact that they've got enough quarterbacks to last until twenty twenty nine. Like, I think the, the future is bright for this offense. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go into panic mode now since the entire defense is out. Um, I'll start away from the linebackers since there's really probably not much that you can say because sure. their entire team was not practicing. But our, our, how are the defensive backs holding up? I know Cam, you said that Cam Brown was out. Um, but have any of the young guys flashed to you? Denzel Burke has big time. Like, I am – I'm in on of now. Maybe I'm a little premature on that. I'm close to being in on the idea of like Denzel Burke playing a somewhat significant role this year. Um, every time we're out there, you know, Quinn Temple gets on the mic, the director of football ops, and he's like calling Winner out loser day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> he'll call out like touchdown, Chris Olave, or pass breakup for whoever seven banks. Um, every time we've been out there, I feel like I hear Denzel Burke's name like every three minutes. Um, and Ryan Day said it might be because like he has like Denzel has blackmail photos of Quinn and Quinn is just like saying his name over the loudspeaker so he doesn't get in trouble. Um, but that kid's making plays, man. Like I don't, he's I've not seen him like really get like his ass kicked on a rep. Like he's not does you don't win everything because you're a cornerback. You never win everything. Um, but he's always in good position. He's making plays on the ball. He's physical. Um, I think he's gotten a lot of reps against Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson in camp because of kind of how like banged up like seven banks and Cameron Brown have been. So, and he's making the most of that opportunity. I don't know. Like every time we talk to people, they are like very high on Denzel Burke. And then you go out there and you see it with your own two eyes and it's like, you can't kind of help but get on board with them. So um, I wish we would have been able to see a little more of seven banks and cam Brown and like legend Cavazos was on the opposite end of the field for me, but he was out there, which is good. Like step one for him. Cause he's been banged up a little bit too, but like the, the, the ones at corner, I would say today because banks and Brown were out were Cavazos and Denzel Burke. Um, and I think one of those guys is going to work his way into a rotation this year. And I would probably bet on Burke right now. How's legend looking though. I'm, I've been curious about him. Like it's, it's hard to say, um, with any kind of conviction, because like the way where we're positioned, I just did like did not have a great vantage point of him. But you can tell like watching him out there, like he is a very explosive athlete. The technique and all that, I don't I don't have a great read on it. But he's an explosive athlete, and he has had a little bit of an issue. I think like just staying healthy and staying on the field. So if he can get over that hurdle, um, I think he can do something for them this year because he he's he's long. And he can run like a deer. And like, we all know how he tested when he was in high school. And I think like that explosion has come with him to college. So like, he's, I think his ceiling is very high. Um, It's just a matter of like consistency and availability for him, but it was good to see him out there. Um, I think he was, he, I can't remember if he was one of the players who graded out a champion in the scrimmage. I think he might've been, let me look that up real quick. Cause they had that, um, 
like they had it on the video board when we were out there on Tuesday for interviews and yeah, legend was one of the players. So was Denzel Burke and JK Johnson, like those three corners grading out and Ryan Watts, like those guys grading out as champions in the scrimmage on Saturday, I think is a very good sign for where the secondary set is. Yeah. I just, I, the reason why I've been so curious about him is I just remember how easy he made everything look physically. Yep. And I feel like if you have that ability, then learning football and getting your footwork down and your technique down is, is secondary to that. Right. And I've like anticipating him being a very good football player at some point. Yeah. And I think even when, when you're as athletic as he is, even if your technique is not super tight, you can still get on the field because like you're at your natural athleticism just puts you in a spot to make plays, even if you don't know what you're doing all the time. So, and I think he's that kind of athlete. So, um, I would still go like Burke ahead of him right now. Like Ryan Watts is also in this conversation too. I don't want to like dismiss him. Um, but I think like of all, of all the guys who could potentially make a move behind seven banks and Cameron Brown, it seems like Denzel Burke is, is doing that the most right now. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can I ask another one? I kind of like this. I love this. This is great. What's going on with Jack Sawyer, man. Are we, is he looking like a Bosa yet? He, I got to watch one pass rush rep of his, um, and he just like totally exploded around the edge, straight speed rush around Dewan Jones. Um, and it wasn't like I didn't watch that and think to myself, like, oh boy, Dewan Jones, I don't know about this. I watched that and thought, like, holy shit, Jackson. <laughs> so uh yeah, he looks he looks the part. He has looked the part the entire time we've been out there. Um, have not gotten a great feel for JT Tui Malowal yet. Um but he was also a champion in the scrimmage and lost his black stripe like three days after getting here. So I think that matters. Um, but yeah, Jack Sawyer, everything we thought about Jack Sawyer in the spring coming into the summer remains true for sure. I have not seen anything in camp thus far to, to knock me off that. So like, what would you say is his uh, ceiling for what playing time is going to be like? Is this a, uh, is this somebody who you think is going to be in a situation that they're starting? No. Not getting starter like reps. I don't think I don't think he'll start. I don't know if he'll ever be the first guy out there this year, because I think that as long as they're healthy, that'll go to Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith. Um, I do. Th- the one thing I don't know about Jack is how good he is against the run, and like I know we don't talk about that a ton, but it doesn't matter in terms of who plays. And like Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith are very good against the run, um, so maybe that will cut into Jack's playing time a little bit. But I still think it works out as being like a somewhat equal rotation that definitely includes Zach and Tyreek and Jack. And then and then you're getting like Javante Jean-Baptiste or JT Tuimolowal. And I, I don't know quite how that works. But I also like we asked Larry Johnson earlier this week about like the Rushman package and what that's gonna look like. And he said he doesn't know yet. Like I would bet every dollar in my bank account that Jack Sawyer is part of that. Yeah, I think it's also kind of a, a situation too where he's a true freshman and you, you don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but by the end of the year, you, he, he's in a position where there, you have no choice, but to play him a lot, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what I'm expecting from him. It's like, I don't know if this is insane to say, but I think physically, I think it's possible that no defensive end has been further along physically than he has, except for chase young. Like, I think he's even probably more physically further along than the bosses were when they first got there. Is that insane? No, I actually think if I were ranking like who was most physically ready to go from the second they stepped on campus, I would not include Jack. I might go like Nick and then Chase and then Joey. But and I then think, Jack would be fourth. No, no, no. I I was gonna finish oh. up by saying I think Jack might be ahead of all of them. 
Now he he also had the benefit, like he didn't play high school football senior year. Like he just basically trained to get ready to come to college. So like he had that added benefit. But I think that's true. I think I think he is. I think his starting point is a little further along than the starting point of all those other guys. It's just a matter of, of if the end is going to look better than those guys. I don't know that yet. Yeah. Yeah. What about the interior defensive line? I, I know you mentioned earlier, uh, Jerron cage, but he's kind of been somebody that has been interesting to me because his older brother at Notre Dame did the same thing too, where he kind of showed up on campus and, you know, developed a little bit and then became a really productive player later on. And Jerron's very athletic as well. So, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned him in the starter category and it's like, and what, what does that mean for Teron Vincent, if anything? I'm still trying to get a read on that. Like there was a lot of talk this week about Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett, like cross training at the two defensive tackle positions. Uh, I don't know that I saw that on Wednesday when they lined up as like a first team defensive line. It still felt like those, those guys are both three techniques. And then the, the nose tackles were, um, Antoine Jackson and Tyleek Williams because Jerron Cage was injured, but they're off to the side doing something. But as long as Jerron Cage is healthy, like I, I think he or Antoine Jackson will start next to Haskell Garrett. Um, and I think like that four, that, that's a really good four for Ohio State. Um, I don't know. Somebody asked me in a mailbag like like about like losing Tommy Togiai. And I like I don't think either Antoine Jackson or Jerron Cage is as good individually as Tommy Togiai, but I think like the aggregate of the two might get you close to that. Um, and they can get close to that and Haskell plays at the same level he was last year and like Teron Vincent's healthy and like the dude that we think he is and maybe you get a fifth guy there whether it's Noah Potter or Mike Hall or Tyleek Williams or whoever um, I think they're in a pretty good spot both top end talent wise and depth wise so I don't as long as Jerron Cage is healthy I don't have much of a concern there if he's not healthy you lose you don't have a ton of depth particularly at nose tackle and then you're kind of banking on like Haskell Garrett or Teron Vincent being able to do both. And, and I suppose they could, but like, that's not the position they were like cut out for from the start, if that makes sense. So are you, are you concerned about linebacker defensive backs? Like what are your concerns for this team? Linebacker, if they can't stay healthy, like no offense, but when you look out there and it's like, it's Taraja Mitchell, who I don't have much concern about, but then it's like, Ryan Bash, who I said was like getting runs reps with the ones, and then it's it's Steel Chambers, who was a running back a month ago, um, Kavan Pope, who I, I don't have much of a feel for, and then like Palier No Teote, who we don't even know if he's eligible to play. So like, whatever is going on with Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon and Dallas Gant, uh, like you need you need like two of those guys <laughs> at least I would think ready to go against Minnesota. Um, it's not a particularly deep room. And I guess some of that's mitigated because they're going to play a one fewer linebacker, one less linebacker when they're base defense now. That'll help. But, like, there's no major experience to speak of other than Noteote and his experience at USC. And now you're looking at a situation where, like, he looked out on the field on Wednesday and three of the top four guys you projected that position weren't out there. So they need those guys back. If they get those guys back, I feel I feel pretty okay about it. But it's hard for me to feel great about it when you look out there and see that. Yeah, I mean, overall, it just seems like this team is going to be fine offensively and defensively. It's like, well, hope for the best. And I know the talent isn't going to be an issue and never is. But you know, is this team going to find its way defensively because that's going to be a major? Because we talk about them in the context of of the national championship, like they're going to have to get that everything's going to have to hit. 
Yeah, and I do feel I feel pretty good, like borderline very good about their defensive line. I th- I, I truly believe that like Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith are poised for a breakout, and then you like mix in Jack and JT and whatever like Javante can give you, and the tackles, like I said before. Um, and I'm starting to come around. I'm not, I'm not going to be like fully on board with the secondary until I watch a real game. But just based off what we've seen and heard in practice, like I'm starting to come around on the secondary a little bit. Like some of these young guys are making me feel a little bit better about where the secondary is. It's like there's so many options in, in, when it comes to youth. At least one or two has to hit, right? Right. It's the law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I, I maybe put some solace in that. Um, I just think they have. I don't know what this what the ceiling is for the defense, and I, like I don't think anybody can give you a great answer on that until they start playing some games. But I think if you look up and down the options, you should feel somewhat significantly better about those options than you would have last year. Yeah, especially, so especially the, in the secondary. So, what do you think the vibe of the, of of things are over there? Like, what do you see? What I'm saying? Like, what's it like? You mean with the whole team or with the defense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, does it seem like the team is feeling good about things? Like what Ryan Day's temperament practice tempo people seem to be having fun is it enjoyable like yeah you gotta get a feel for a team when you're around them i mean does this one feel like you know i'm just trying to gain as much insight as you can from being in there you know right you know i I think it's a good question and because i always felt like when like when urban was the coach when you could tell how things are going by like his demeanor at the podium um ryan day has been in like pretty high spirits i think i think he was not like thrilled with answering all the quinn ewers questions the other day but you know, he created that monster. Um, but like today he was, or Wednesday, he was in like a very like jokey, jovial kind of mood. Um, I think, I think there could be a thing happening here where, and like, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too cliche about it, but it's hard not to get a little cliche about it. I think some of the best Ohio state teams have been like, they're always super talented, but the ones that like develop a little bit of an edge about them because they feel like they have something to prove. Um, and I think that probably, matters most on the defensive side but i'm like kind of getting that vibe from them like they have i think what's what is a more talented and pissed off defense that's eager to show that like what they were last year is not truly indicative of who they are and just like so much talent on offense even with the quarterback being an experience like how could you not be enthused about that so um you know it's a tough tough opening schedule clearly with minnesota and oregon but um the vibes seem good like I don't, I've not picked up on anything that like I would even like mildly concern me, other than just wanting to see some of these guys get a little healthier and, and like the full team out there. Yeah, yeah. So national championship then. National championship, baby. Um, yeah, yeah. Semi or yeah. Where's the national title again this year? Oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Indianapolis. Indianapolis or bust. That's kind of a weird place. <laughs> Indy or bust. Indy or bust. Uh, yeah. They have, actually uh, feels like this should be Ohio State's year since they play in that stadium so often. I know, right? It would be pretty wild. Like, I, I, you know, we've said before, we don't care. But it would be cool for Ohio State fans to, like, play in a national title game two and a half hours from home base. That'd be pretty yeah, I sweet. Mean, LSU gets to play in a national championship game in New Orleans every five years. So, right, right. Yeah. Like, know, can, it, a, can a team north of the Mason-Dixon line get that once in a while? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when's the last time <laughs> the national championship game was in the Midwest? I don't know if That'd it ever be, has I bet been. you it's been years, if ever. Yeah. Since they started playing it at a neutral site, I don't think it. Like, I don't think it ever has, unless like they played it in Detroit one time, and I'm forgetting about it. But I don't. I don't think that's happened. I think they're always they're always at the traditional bowl sites. 
All right. All your money on Ohio State to win it all. Um, so did you get all your flight and everything all set up for Minnesota? Yep. Good to go. Flying out. Uh, Maybe with the itinerary. And when yeah, I say yeah. itinerary, we got restaurant reservations or no, that's well, that's <laughs> I'm glad. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because I've I've only been to Minneapolis once. Together. And it was with you guys. It was with you and Doug in 2014. And you were on a strict diet, which was terrible. Yeah, I was on. I was basically on a diet where like I didn't eat food. Mm-hmm. Like you know, also like yeah. in the best shape I've been in the last ten years. And like, look at me now. But uh, I'm I I am open to suggestions on Minnesota eating endeavors because uh, I'm gonna base. I'm, I Dude, land, don't they have the juicy Lucy there? The ju- Isn't that yeah, what? <laughs> the juicy Lucy is, is is certainly gonna be a move. But you know, I got. I, I leave here at like 630 in the morning, direct flight. I, I get to Minneapolis at like 730 local time. And I, so I, I had like all day Wednesday and like half the day Thursday because of the Thursday night game to, to do some damage in Minneapolis. So if you're listening to this and you are familiar with the fine fare that they offer in, in the Twin Cities, uh, hit up your boy and tell me where to go because I'm, I'm very much. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We're, we're, we're recording this August 18th, Wednesday. It's two, the openers in two weeks. Two weeks. I'll, be, I'll, listening be, to this. I'll be in Minneapolis two weeks from today getting ready it's to exciting. cover that game it is exciting it's crazy yeah i'm 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 getting amped up for the season um amped up for uh a little more of this preseason coverage but but certainly for the games to, to get rolling too and i think um podcast wise i think we should probably do some over-unders next week right yeah i think that's a good idea yeah yeah so over-unders next week um this was our last practice viewing period i'm not anticipating that changing so um I think this will be like, I know like the last few pods have kind of gone this way, but we want to give you guys what we're seeing when we're out there. And I think this will kind of be the end of that. So uh, next week over unders the week after that, we're getting ready to talk about Ohio state versus Minnesota. So thank you guys for listening to four to six with a and B give us a five star review on Apple podcast, subscribe to the athletic, the athletic.com slash four dash six. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.